Hello, listener. Thanks for tuning into the Future Foundations podcast. My name is James Patrick McHugh, and today I'm talking with Demetra Williams Pitts from Truth Reigns. Demetra's written a book called The Dark Side of the Black Church. It's a mind thing, volume one. And I read it last month, and I had quite an interesting experience with it. So I wanted to sit down and talk to her a little bit about what motivated her to write it, and then some of the things I got from my reading. How are you doing today, Demetra? I'm well. How are you, James? I'm doing quite well myself. Thanks for asking. That's awesome. Um, so please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and, and how you got started with writing at all. Okay. As James has already said, I'm Demetra Williams-Pitts, and I'm an author, obviously. I'm a former director of music ministry for over 30 years. I'm an entrepreneur. I also have a master's degree in human resource management. I'm a mother and a grandmother to many, friend to few, foe to those who hate the truth. But most importantly, I'm a child of God. So it's my understanding that this was kind of something that you would say God put on your heart to write about and spread a message to the world. Is that fair? That's correct. Do you want to talk a little bit about what the experience was that... um, tipped you or or brought that feeling to where you couldn't ignore it anymore and had to begin writing? It's been a lifelong journey to be really honest about it. Uh, I remember from being a child or a teenager being in church, you know, all my life and getting to a place where some things were just not adding up based on what I was being taught from the pulpit and, and some of the, uh, excuse me, and in some of the leadership classes and our Christian education classes. And so as I, you know, went through life and continued in my role of uh, being in music ministry, it is also my responsibility to uh, explain to the choir, you know, why we are do- doing certain things. And a lot of the information that I pulled was from some of the stuff that I had been taught in addition to some things that I had read in God's Word. So in doing that, I found myself in a place where this is not adding up. This Some things are not matching. And so as I finished my master's degree, it just it dropped. It was like a ton of bricks that dropped on me because I was also involved in listening to some online teachings and um Dealing, still dealing with some people outside of the church, although I was no longer as heavily involved. And so as time continued to pass and I you know, finished up my master's degree in human resources, I started to write some notes here and there, just some little post notes here and some post notes there, and, and eventually you know, started going directly to the Bible to, to try to find the answers to the questions that were in my head, not any questions that somebody had asked me, but just some nagging questions that I always wanted to get an answer from that I was never satisfied by from getting from other people. So in finding um, that some of those answers I had been receiving from other people or other leadership, so to speak, it's when I decided that I'm sure I am not the only one that's going through this type of confusion as it concerns some of the major systems and some of the major beliefs that we've been walking around with for the majority of our lives. In addition to that, some of those beliefs caused a lot of psychological confusion and pain. So it was important that I share it 
so that um, people would have a, a some direction as to what they needed to do in order to search out some information because a lot of information is not necessarily found directly from the Bible, right. but because we were also taught that uh, psychology was the devil, so to speak. So in having that experience and knowing that psychology is an important part of the Bible because it constantly talks about the mind. How can you talk about the mind and not talk about psychology? And so I went down that rabbit hole and I was on a mission to find out what this thing was that had been bugging me for the majority of my life. So thank you for sharing the beginning of that journey with everybody. Um, it, it leads directly into one of the things I wanted to talk about on this is that because so much of the knowledge that's in the written word is kind of hidden behind language that isn't communicated. I found it very, very useful that you broke down that language and, and would translate it and show a little bit of the etymology where those words came from throughout your book. Um, what gave you the idea to do that aside from just having trouble when you were starting out not knowing what some of these words meant yourself? The idea came from the fact that I was ignorant. And I actually tapped back into uh, my grammar school days, believe it or not. You know, when you don't understand something, you look it up in the dictionary. Right. But what okay. I found to be most interesting is that uh, we forgot those grammar school skills when it comes to the Bible. And so that's why I did it. And so that plays back into where you mentioned something about being taught that knowledge itself was in some ways of the devil. And so ignorance would breed ignorance, and it kind of was a vicious cycle. And so you're contributing to breaking that cycle. Am I understanding correctly? I am. That is absolutely correct. Now, uh, knowledge, can knowledge can breed whatever you allow for it to breed, because that all depends on what kind of knowledge you are retaining. Okay. Um, I believe that knowledge in whatever area that you're looking to better yourself, let me say that again, better yourself, not like you're looking to become a criminal, but if you're looking to do something to make you feel better from a mental, physical, and spiritual perspective, that type of knowledge is going to be valuable to your whole being, because this book is also about your whole being, not just about your mind, because your mind is what guides you through life. It what is what helps you to feel comfortable. It's what helps you to be able to deal with some of those transitions that go on in life. And so if you're walking around with a mind that's clouded with grief and and turmoil and insecurities and all of these other things, and you don't understand how to process it, you're going to have a problem. So once you get the mind straight on whatever it is that you're focusing on, the rest of you will follow. I used to do a, um, this was a meet and greet kind of situation. I call it, the name of it was Uncensored. And the, uh, the tagline that I use, and I'm not going to say all of it, but it basically says that follow your mind, your mind and your assets will follow. Same thing with this. Follow your but mind you and your assets in. will follow? Yes. Okay. 
but you have to put something in there to follow. So if you don't have anything in there, you're stuck. But if you've been given misinformation or bad information or tainted information, whatever you want to call it, that's where your mind is going to lead you. So you need to feed your mind good things. You need to feed your mind as much truth as you can possibly gain. Okay. That makes good sense. It's interesting that you you pointed out because one small degree of difference from, you know, true north can take you a long way over a long period of time off course. Uh I've never considered how the impact of correcting that course can also have the same correcting effect over a long period of time. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. But one of the hardest things to do is to unlearn something. And so in looking at correction or unlearning, whichever you know word you choose to use, it's going to take you down a path and it's going to be a path that's going to be somewhat uh, painful. But at the end of that path, you're going to end up being a better person. Okay. Um, let's mm-hmm. let's take the talk about ignorance and knowledge in a slightly different direction here and talk about it from the perspective rather than from the learner, but from the perspective of the teacher. How did um, in your book you talk about pseudo doctrine from from ignorant teachers? How did that impact maybe your upbringing or just the situation you saw in churches later in life? And then what can you um, share with the audience about? you know, how to identify that when they come across it and what to do about it. I know that's a wide breadth of information to cover. That was a lot. Uh, One of the best ways to determine whether you're being taught by what the Bible calls false teachers is to actually confirm what they've said versus what the Bible says. For And I, I, I like to use examples because it's typically easy for anybody to understand. So if someone tells you, and I'm just going to pick something out the blue. So if someone says to you, the sky is blue. And scientists say that the sky is green. The book you just read, it says the sky is green. All of your friends and family and loved ones are saying the sky is green. But this one person is standing here telling you that the sky is blue. You look up for yourself and you see that the sky is green. There's a problem. There's a serious problem right there. And so what you need to do is to find the evidence that confirms what someone is saying. The other thing is from a spiritual perspective, from a spiritual perspective, your discernment, your intuition, whatever you want to call it, will tell you that something is wrong with this information. However, what most people, where most people find themselves in trouble is they're surrounded by other people that are in agreement with the person that's doing the false teaching. And so it makes you to feel like something is wrong with me. No, that is not the case. It's not that something is wrong with you. What it is, is that's a hit for you to say, let me go look this up for myself. And the Bible encourages that we do that. 
although a lot of our leaders in spiritual places don't necessarily encourage us to do that because those leaders want to be the one that you come to, that you depend on, that you give all of your loyalty to, where at the end of the day, that is not the person that you're going to be held account accountable to at the quote unquote end of days, as it says in God's word. That's kind of ironic, don't you think, that, that sometimes the people who are supposed to be kind of leading by example are the ones who end up in a position to take advantage? You know what? There are three things, two or three things. I can't remember how many right now, but there's a number of things, how, uh, ways that I look at that. Number one, nobody's, nobody's perfect. That's number one. Certainly. Number two. We're looking at generations of misinformation, misinterpretation of scripture. Number three, uh, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is damning. Number four, yes, there are people who intentionally know that they're in error, but they do it anyway because they are looking at the worldly gain that's produced from them leading these people in error, especially when it comes to their finances. Finances is typically the end result. Money is always the end result. But you can't get somebody's finances until you get their mind. That's why it's the mind thing. Once you get my mind, you can just about get anything from me. Right, because everything will flow from what you think you ought to do. There you go. It makes good sense. It's kind of scary. Um, let's talk about some of the the tactics that people or or yourself have encountered. You know that the the church leadership unfortunately is used to kind of herd the flock, so to speak. Yes, because herd mentality is a problem. Uh, the biggest one that I think crosses all religious sects, because that's what I call them all religious sex, is the idea of tithing. Tithing was a concept for that time where the Bible was written, in that place, for those particular people. It was not written for me. I am not an Israelite. I was not under those systems. I don't have to perform rituals and all of this sort of thing that they had to do back then. I don't have to find a lamb. I don't have to find a dove. I don't have to do any of that. And so they've taken that text out of Malachi, 3 and 10 to be in particular. And here's the amazing part. So they took that text and they told the people that you need to give a tithe because if you didn't give a tithe, that God would curse you. Now, who wants to be cursed by God? Nobody wants <laughs> I don't to think be anybody wants God. to be No. <laughs> exactly. But if you've been told this the majority of your life, and you're sitting here listening to this Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, then you go home and your family, they're telling you the same thing because this starts with, you know, while you're a child that, you know, you get your little allowance. Now you need to give that 10% back to the church. That was always right. hard for me because it never made sense to me. Never made sense to me. Even as a child, it didn't make sense to me. 
And so then you get to a place to where now it's not only an issue of you being manipulated, but you yourself, the victim, because that's what you are, you're dealing with the illusory truth effect. And so the illusory truth is effect is basically you are believing everything that you continuously hear. So if you fed this message on a regular and consistent basis, you begin to believe that that's what it is and nobody can tell you differently until so it's almost, you break rank. It's almost like uh, in, in finance, they have they call a sunk cost fallacy where like when you've put enough money into a stock and it's going down, a lot of people will just keep putting money into it because they're like, I can't lose the money I've already put in. And it turns into a gamble because mm -hmm. they get emotionally connected to it. Correct. But see, not only is this, well, an emotional connection, a psychological connection, it's all about, the, it's all a mental thing. This is right. all mental. The evidence and contradicts so, what they yeah. believe. Correct. You can be actually, I have seen people actually, I have actually shown people why this is not accurate. Right there in God's word, it tells you what it is, who the tithe was for. As a matter of fact, it was only for a particular people, which were the priests. It tells you why they had to give the tithe. Why are we giving a tithe? We didn't do the same thing that the priests did. So why are we doing this? But we don't ask those questions of ourselves and we don't ask those questions of our leadership. We just right. go along. And, and then I we wonder why we're broke. I don't want to spoil too much of the context of the book, but you may get this. When I read it, it recontextualized the story of Cain and Abel to me, actually. Because Cain himself is the one dealing with a sacrifice of, you know, animals as opposed to a sacrifice of harvest. Mm -hmm. And it was very striking right. to me when you explained in your book, you know, where the, the tithing meaning came from and how it was supposed to make sense. It recontextualized this original uh, murder back, you know, hundreds of years prior in Bible history. Yes. The majority of everything in the Bible uses agricultural, um, um, agric what am I trying to say? Agricultural systems. Yeah, it's a it's a terms. food resources, food. agriculture. Everything yeah. is yes. Everything is that because at that time, that's what they used. We don't use this that at, we don't use that. At right, this we have currency now oh, where they use just we have what they currency. Have. Correct. Now it's not to say they didn't have currency, but in the context of the scripture. They're using agriculture. They're using food. And so the biggest falsehood that has been given is now we need to translate the agriculture into currency. My question to one leader was, why do I need to translate agriculture into currency? The response was, they didn't have currency at that time. That's not true. They did. So how are you going to explain to me that in the scripture, it says meat, M-E-A-T. How did meat become money? 
when money did exist. Interesting. Pardon me? When money yes. did already exist that was- at that time. Yes, it did. Okay. So that's very fascinating, right? Yes. And, and you've was. never received an answer from them? No, I did not. Is that and when uh, you don't an example answer then? The question, that's a problem. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. When you don't receive a direct answer to a direct question, that should always raise a red flag. In my opinion, that almost is an answer in and of itself. It is. Yeah. Um, it, it brings me to the point that you make in the book about things being frequently swept under the rug. I apologize if we're getting audio delay. I'll try and fix it if it happens to be the case when I go over the recording. But could you talk about uh, mm-hmm. the symptom of things being swept under the rug for a minute? Things that are swept under the rug is anything that goes against the belief that's being taught. Some of those things have caused people to have mental conditions. Some of those things have caused people to have physical conditions. Some of those things have caused people to walk away from the church. In the church, unfortunately, and it's not just the black church, although that's my experience, which is why I titled it that way, is that we do not want to be held accountable for the things that go on under our roof or within the four walls of the church. It has, it's known, you know, that there have been physical abuses, there's been sexual abuse, there's been financial abuse, misappropriation of funds, there's been rape. So- There's been all kinds of things that have gone on, but in certain sects, in certain denominations, those things don't come out. And those are the type of things that get swept under the rug. Now, when this occurs, is this just happening on the behalf of like people in leadership, let's say, or is it happening on behalf of any family that is doing these things behind closed doors? This is this is being spearheaded. I'll use that. This is being spearheaded by leadership because leadership has a fear of how they'll be perceived. And so I'm almost what wondering, do, I'm wondering if, if they're worried a negative reputation could lower those tithes they're receiving. <laughs> absolutely it would. Absolutely. Everything leads to the dollar. Everything, everything that is not supposed to go on leads to the dollar. And so if a young man or a young woman comes and says that someone touched, actually, I know of a story, I know of several stories, but anyway, touched them inappropriately, the leadership will say something to the effect that I'll have a conversation with them. And so they'll have a conversation but the person who was affected is not in on the conversation. And so you have to have the trust in that leadership that they had this conversation and hope that this thing does not happen again. Well, there have been some situations where the thing did happen again and the leadership said that they had a conversation. Here's the other thing that won't happen. That person will not be kicked out of that particular congregation because we're here 
to help and heal people. No, that's not your job, church. That reminds me of the system that came around during like the the 16 and 1700s where people would pay the church for the right to get like to forgive us in. I don't know if they you've ever heard of that. Pay. Pay for a right to forgive. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was, okay. It's been hundreds yeah. of years since it was common practice now, but I think it was a Catholic thing where the king and the church could yes. could take money and, and forgive us in exchange for it, and it'd be yes. different levels of pricing, which is crazy to think about now. Yes. 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 Because some of those things that happened um, was revealed in the confessionals. Right. And so I didn't talk about that because that is not the sect that I was really a part of, although part of my family was a part of that and I did visit on occasion. And so I do know a little bit about it, but that goes against what the Bible says. (laughs) I'm not... I'm only supposed to confess my sins to the person that I committed the sin to. So if I did something to hurt you, I'm supposed to come to you and say, James, forgive me for doing whatever it is that I did. Instead, they went to the leadership of that church. They sat in a little box and they said, forgive me for blah, blah, blah. But at the same token, you still have somebody out here hurt from what you've done to them. That's not how that works. That's not how the Bible Bible tells you it works. There's a system in the Bible for that. But we don't talk about that. We, you know, we, we just, you know, keep flipping the pages over that part. Because see, if we do that, like you said, if we do that part, like you said, the money would dry up. Quicker than it's already drying up. Uh, let me see. Um, the next thing I wanted to cover with you was some of the mental games that people will play within themselves to tell themselves, you know, that the cognitive dissonance they experience isn't real. But I guess first I should ask you, can you explain for everyone who hasn't read the book yet what cognitive dissonance is? And then we'll talk about those. Well... Cognitive dissonance is something that I actually touched on a little bit uh, before. Um, The cognitive dissonance is when you have conflicting thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs. For example, uh, when I explained about the sky is blue, somebody else says the sky is green. That can be a form of cognitive dissonance. So is that when you become... Sort of convinced that the sky is green because people are telling you it is, even though yes. blue. That yeah. that gap there is that's my understanding between the yes. truth and what you believe. Yes. Okay. I can see it all day long. I can look up at the sky and see that it's blue because we're going to flip it now. I can look up at the sky and see that it's blue, but because my leader or my friend or my parent or somebody else said to me it's green, it causes me to go into a cognitive dissonance, which causes me to be confused about what it is I'm seeing with my own eyes. So it's kind of that moment where you go, hold up, wait a second, something's not adding up here. 
And that's when you have to confront. And so what do people do in that moment? What are some of the options that happen? Some of the things that I've seen is that people do nothing, especially when it comes to things regarding religion. People don't do anything because they don't think they have the power to do anything. Although they have the power right in their hands. They, they are so convinced uh, that their leader would not lie to them. They have this blind loyalty. They ask them, they have the blind loyalty not only for their leader, but if you were raised this way, they have the blind loyalty for their parents. Why would my mother and father tell me something wrong? Why should I look this up? I've been believing this all my life. But until you take a step outside of yourself and outside of what people have told you, you will stay in this cognitive dissonance. I've even had situations where I have showed some people who are very intelligent. I'm talking master's degrees, PhDs, XYZs, whatever you want to call them. And I will say, what does this say right here? Now, what is it you believe and how is that different? And they will sit and read it and see what it says and will still say, but it's nothing I can do with that. See, this is something you have to be open to. You have to be open to the truth, not open to what you heard or believed is the truth. And And so this this thing is ugly. To what you said about in the home, and then earlier what you said about people who are ignorant you know, not knowing better to teach people non-ignorance because they were never given the knowledge themselves. I can see the environment being created where two, three generations deep into being told something you honestly believe there's no lie. You're just wrong. But then you hold to it because it's always been that way in your family and you've seen it lived out for so long. That's where that sunk cost fallacy comes in again. And so you're reinforcing the wrong and you don't ever think you're lying, but what you believe is counter to the truth. Yes. Yes. All of I that. can see why unlearning would be so difficult at that point. Yes. And that was the other reason for me writing the book, because it is my hope that someone will read the book and get angry enough, angry enough to say, Let me see what she's talking about. Let me see if this is true. And I have had a couple people to say, oh my God, I had no idea. And so as far as I'm concerned, the couple people, and there's been more than a couple, but the few people that have said it, I said to myself, my mission has been completed. Because it's not... Yeah, I mean, because it's not for everybody. Everybody's not going, and I already, I knew that going into it. I knew going into it that it would cause some people to look at me differently. It would cause people to think of me differently. That was not my concern. My concern is that we need to break this fallacy, this lie that has been going on from generation to generation to generation to generation. Let's stop this because it's hurting us. It's not helping. It's hurting us. There are people who have lost their homes, lost their jobs, lost their minds 
They're too afraid if I stop tithing, God is going to curse me. Some people don't even realize that part. That it is it is a requirement that you study to show yourself approved. But this is this is the other manipulative thing that happens from leadership. Leadership will say to you, that passage of scripture that says, study to show yourself approved, a workman rightly dividing the word and whatever else it says after that, because I don't commit everything to memory. This is not just for the preacher, teacher, prophet, apostle, bishop, and whoever else. This is for the believer. Has tithing really worked out? Have you uh, have you seen God open up a window and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive? Not ever. Because if you did, uh, no, obviously it has to happen because you're still doing this. But the pure definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Right. Wow. So let me let me ask you because we've we've talked for a good chunk of time now. I really appreciate your time, Demetra. Um, let me ask you: This was volume one. Was volume one the one focused on the mind, or it made you made it sound like a little bit ago maybe it was focused on a particular sect of the church? And then, are you uh, expecting to come out with volume two at any point soon? Volume two will be coming out in September. Uh, volume two is still focusing on the mind because we don't give enough credit to our mind. We don't understand how our minds work. And I'm I not, see. you know, I'm not a physician, uh, but I know enough that that I can explain to you the three parts of your mind that cause you to do certain things. As a matter of fact, can actually look it up on your, yourself. I mean, come on, Google is a wonderful thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, um, we don't give enough credit to our mind. And because of that, we lose out on a whole lot that's going on. Right now in the second volume, I'm working on a chapter entitled Fear. And that's our biggest problem. Fear is the biggest problem, you said? Fear is the biggest problem. I look forward to having it come out and, and getting my copy. Um, for those who want to get the copy uh, for or a copy for themselves of the first volume, uh, would they go through your website? Would you prefer they go through Amazon? How would people best reach out and get a copy? In order to get a copy right now, I would prefer that people go to Amazon and just put in the title, The Dark Side of the Black Church. It's a mind thing. If they Perfect. want to get any other merchandise, they can go to my website at www.truth-reigns.com. Thanks very much. If people want to contact You're you welcome. and learn more, can they uh, find information on the page? They want to contact me, you can find that on my website at truthreigns.com. Awesome. And then any final words you may have for the listeners here? I have three final things that I would love for people to keep in mind. Number one, if you can't trace it, don't trust it. And basically what I mean by that, if someone tells you that tithing 
that if you don't tithe, you will be cursed with a curse. Don't trust it. Go to God's word in Malachi, starting at the second chapter. And read all the way through. And you can debunk that lie. So that's how you trace it. Number two, no human is perfect. Only God is perfect. Because he's the only one that is the giver of life. And number three, if you're taught wrong, you'll believe wrong, and you'll live wrong. And that's it. Thank you very much for your time. Hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you so much.